Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. It is so good to be with you. My name is Tim and I'm part of the team here at Ivy Church. And we're in this series looking at what does Jesus want for Christmas? And the key scripture that we're looking at is a really famous verse in the Bible. It's this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Today, we're going to be looking at the soul. Um, But I also want to tell you about things that happen midweek. We have faith lifts that go out every morning, Monday to Friday at 8 o'clock. And they are short reflections that are helping us to think about Christmas as we come to the 25th. And I really want to encourage you to watch them and join in with them. If you haven't been, you can find those on our Facebook page. This week on Tuesday, um, there's going to be a special thing that we'd like to share with you that we really wanted to do today, but we didn't have time for. So... Tuesday, check it out. It's going to be great. So last week, Matt talked about how we can love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And he looked at the story of Mary and the mother of Jesus and how God chose her to carry and give birth to the saviour of the world because of her humility. It was absolutely amazing. And so if you missed it, you can go back and watch it on uh, the YouTube channel um, on YouTube. So This week, I'm going to be talking about the soul. So immediately, I hope you're beginning to ask yourself the question, Tim, what is a soul? Do I have a soul? How do I love God with all of my soul, even if I have one, whatever it even might be? And um, and why should I? Um, So the first question, what is a soul? Well, most people, myself included, immediately probably think of the soul as kind of some like non-physical uh, essence or of a person or a non-physical spiritual part of you that's maybe connected to the body, but maybe not kind of. Who really knows anyway? Well, I did a little bit of research, and I found that uh, the Cambridge Dictionary defines it in exactly those terms. They said that the spirit, that soul is the spiritual part of a person that some people believe continues to exist in some form, very vague, after their body has died, or the part of a person that is non-physical and experiences deep feelings and emotions. Psychology today suggested that the existence of the soul is one of the most important questions about life. They said in one article, the idea of the soul is bound up with the idea of a future life and our belief in a continued existence after death. It is said to be the ultimate animating principle by which we think and feel, but it isn't dependent on the body. Okay, so many modern psychologists and philosophers dismiss the idea of a soul altogether, and they say it's all about the mind. So I wonder, what do you think? What do you think the the soul is? And I wonder if the fact that we can even wonder is evidence that we have a soul, but who knows? Well... I have got some news for you, okay? What if I told you that that way of thinking about the soul isn't actually found in the Bible at all? The problem is that the word soul comes with a whole load of baggage from Greek philosophy. The Bible does talk about the soul, but it never uses it in the way that kind of pop psychology uses it or pop philosophy. Um, Let me explain. The Hebrew word that we translate to soul in English is nephesh, okay? Say nephesh. 
Thank you. Now, the word nephesh appears 754 times in the Old Testament, but only 10% of the time is it translated soul. The most basic translation of the word nephesh is throat. Okay, so the throat is essential for life. It's how you get oxygen in and your waste air out. It's how we breathe, eat, and drink. It gets the blood from our heart all the way to our brains. And it's essential for life. If you don't believe me, you only have to do this for a little while, and I won't be alive much longer. Okay, the majority of the time, the word nephesh is translated life. So just like we use the word heart to describe the physical heart that beats and pumps oxygen, blood, and therefore oxygen all around our bodies, and we also use it to describe our emotions and feelings in a more abstract way, it's the same with nephesh. It means throat in its most basic term, but it's used in, in an abstract way to represent our whole physical life. Okay? So in the Old Testament, a murderer is called a nephesh slayer. A kidnapper is called a nephesh thief. People are called living nephesh's, and a corpse is a dead nephesh. The point is this. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. I am a soul. You are a soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. It's your physical, embodied life with all its possibilities and all its limitations. It's who you were when you were seven and 21 and 35 and 64. Even though the cells in your body have changed, it's still you. You can't separate it out. Now, there are a couple of places in the English language where we do use soul in the right way. For example, when you send an SOS message, it means save our souls. It's a cry for help when people are in danger. And they're not asking for you to come and to save that non-physical, spiritual part of you, like, please rescue my spirit. No, when someone says an SOS message, normally they're saying, help me, I'm drowning, come and flip and get me. Okay, let me use another illustration. So often the way that we think about ourselves, okay, is like an orange. You've had an orange before, right? So there's like our emotional life, our physical life, our mental life, our, our mental health, our spiritual life, and all these different segments. But you are not an orange, okay? The way that the Bible talks about you is like a peach. You are one whole person. You can't separate it out. We can't separate out the bits of us. We're connected, one person. What we do with our mental life affects our physical, spiritual, and emotional life. What we do with our physical life affects all the other parts of us. It's all connected. You are a peach. We're more like peaches than oranges. It's you. It's your whole life. That's what the soul is. So my question is, how can we love God with our whole life, with our whole being, how do we dedicate our whole existence to the one who made us? How can we live for God? So the story that we're going to look, about, look at today um, is about a group of very ordinary people that have an extraordinary encounter with God, and it has a huge impact on their lives. And I absolutely loved the Ivy Kids uh, enactment of it, and it's far better than my one, but there we go. So let's take a look. We're in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
So let's pause here, okay. These guys were no one special. They were ordinary people living their lives, doing their job, looking after their sheep, and these guys are on the night shift. And at that time, people generally had quite a poor opinion of shepherds. Uh, A Jewish text that I found from that time says, there is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. That's a bit sad, isn't it? They weren't even trusted to be witnesses in court. No one was clapping them on a Thursday night, but they were essential workers if you wanted to be a worshipper of God in those times because many scholars believe that their job in Bethlehem was to raise and care for the lambs that would eventually be sacrificed at Passover. But they themselves could not go into the temple to worship God because the nature of their work meant they couldn't keep all the particular religious laws at the time. They were on the outside, bottom of the pile. And yet into the ordinary routine of their life on the outside, something extraordinary happens. Let's pick it up again in the story. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. But in the middle of that dark night, an angel appears up close And the glory of the Lord shines around and they're terrified. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I have good news. A baby has been born. Now, that's always good news, isn't it? Becky and I have got four more weeks until our baby comes. I'm hoping it might just be a little bit longer. Not feeling quite just ready yet. But we are so excited and we can't wait to tell everyone when it eventually happens. And this child, this baby, is one, a particularly special one, that the angels are singing about. Now, obviously, every parent thinks their children are special, and they are, but this child is a child like no other. But what makes this child so special when, as we know, there is one born every minute? Well, Rebecca and I have been doing antenatal classes through lockdown, and apparently, when a mother gives birth to a child, there is such a release of the hormone oxytocin So that even if the baby is breathtakingly ugly, the mother will still think it's the most beautiful baby in the whole world. (laughs) The point is this. This child is not just going to bring great joy for Mary. It is going to bring great joy for all people. And when people see this child and understand who it is, they will think it's the most beautiful, wonderful, glorious thing that has ever happened. I was listening to Radio 1 a couple of weeks ago, um, because I'm cool, and I uh, was listening on the day of the the afternoon when they announced in the morning that the Pfizer vaccine had been approved for use in the UK. Now, this week, Margaret Keenan, a 90-year-old grandmother, became the first person to receive the Pfizer vaccine as part of the mass rollout at 6.31 on Tuesday morning. And she said this, it's the best early birthday present I could wish for because it means I can finally look forward to spending time with my family and friends in the new year after being on my own for so long. And she urged others to go for it, to get the vaccine. So 
when they announced the vaccine, uh, the approval of the vaccine on Radio 1, they played recordings of people that had called in with their reactions. People said that they finally could see the light at the end of the tunnel. People had broken down in tears at work. One guy had to pull over on his way to work to burst into tears, and another guy burst into tears on his bike. A lot of people burst into tears, basically. There were lots and lots of tears. But this was because this was good news that people have been waiting on for such a long time that makes a difference to people all across this country and beyond. The good news of the angels is that this child has come. He is the one that we have been waiting for. Whether we realise it or not, he is the one that we've been waiting for all our lives and for generations. And it's good news because it's through him that the whole world will be saved. This baby is no ordinary baby. It's God himself. You know, people say before a baby is born, don't they? I wonder, who it, I wonder what they'll be like. Will they look like his dad or mum or what's it going to be? Now, the angels knew because they knew him already. And they couldn't wait to tell everyone. He who lives forever has been born in the town of David. It's the, it's the fulfillment of a promise that from the line of King David, a redeemer and a deliverer would come. A promise that people have been waiting for for a very long time. He's also the saviour. And this is good news for all of us. He is the one who has come to bring healing for the greatest sickness, the sickness of sin. And sin is a sickness that all of us have with a 100% mortality rate. And it's that part of our human nature in all of us that's like even when we know the good thing that we're supposed to do, we still don't do it. And you can see its symptoms every single day. The result of sin is brokenness. It's pain, it's suffering. It's the things that we do to each other that we wish we didn't do and the things that people do to us. And it affects us and it has an impact on our life and it, 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 it damages us and it breaks us and it leaves scars. But because of God's great love for us, as the one who knew no sin, He's offered up his own life for us as the vaccine that heals us from sin and its effects. That means we can live now and forever with no fear of the future. So this baby has come to be our saviour. And he will also be the Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed. It means he is the one who has the power and the authority to do what he's been sent to do. And he is the Lord. Jesus is God. That's an outrageous statement, but it's true. This is what the Bible claims, that he is the creator who's come into his creation, the name above all names, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This extraordinary, astonishing, breathtaking claim of Christmas is that a saviour, redeemer, the Lord has come, God himself, and been born as a baby. Now, when I talk to people about Jesus, they often say to me, Tim, if God was real, do you not think he would have given us a sign? And the answer is, yes, absolutely he's given us a sign. If you want to see what God is like, look to Jesus. He is the sign. Jesus is God. And this is this great revelation that these angels could not wait to tell and announce to these shepherds. And so let's pick up the rest of this passage. It says this, that when the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and pondered them. 
the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising them for all the things that they'd seen and heard, which is just as they had been told. This encounter, it turned their lives upside down. God had chosen them to be the first ones to see Jesus. And when they discovered that everything was just as they'd been told, they praised God and they told anyone who would listen the good news. So my question is this, what is your response to this great news today? In this series, we're asking the question, what does Jesus want for Christmas? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. We have said that the soul is not some ethereal, disembodied part of you. It is you. You are a soul. It is your life. So the question is, how do we love the Lord our God with our whole life? How do we devote our whole being and our whole existence to our creator? How do we offer ourselves up holding nothing back to him? Well, let me first say what it is not. Okay, It is not by just trying really, really hard to be a better person, to love God more, to love people more. In lockdown, one of the things that I've noticed is that that doesn't work. I can't do it. I'm incapable of loving God and loving people for more than about 30 seconds. I, I just can't do it on my own. The key is this. In Luke 2, verse 11, it says, Today a saviour has been born to you. It doesn't say a saviour was born to Mary, when the angels came and told the shepherds, they said a, she- uh, a, uh, a saviour has been born to you. You see, the key to loving God with our lives today is to hear the good news and grab a hold of it that a saviour has been born to you. The sign that the shepherds would have that Jesus was going to be the saviour was they would find him wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, because there was no room at the inn. And this points us forward to how Jesus would achieve our salvation, how he would save us. After Jesus had been rejected by the ones that he came to save and killed by being nailed to a cross, it says that he was wrapped in a linen cloth, placed in a tomb, cut in the rock, one in which no one had been laid. And so this is the, this is the great story. That at Christmas, this is what we remember at Christmas, that God has become one of us. A living soul, a nephesh. So that he could give it all for us, holding nothing back when he died for us on the cross. And when he did, it says in the Bible that he was crushed for our sins. That the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And he was buried in a tomb. But it says that three days later, God raised him up from the dead. Not as a spirit, not as a disembodied soul, but as physically raised with a new body that bore the marks of his crucifixion so that through him, that even though we will die one day, we could live forever. You see, the Christian story is not one of some ethereal soul living on, but the good news is this, that just as Christ died for us and was raised from the dead, we can live a new life now, be healed, be forgiven, and be restored. Not just part of us, not just a spiritual part of us, but our whole lives be restored and redeemed in him. 
our mental health, our spiritual health, physical health, and emotional health so that we can be restored and renewed and become whole in him again. And so the promise is that through him we can live a new life now and that one day, even though we will die, we will be raised up with him to a new life. The question is this. Like the shepherds, will you allow Jesus to be born to you? Will you come to him? Will you allow Jesus to be born in you? Will you receive the gift of the life of Jesus? Will you offer up your life in return? Not a segment, but your whole life to him. Will you place your whole life in his hands, holding nothing back, just as he placed his whole life into our hands and held nothing back? You don't need to wait. You're on the list. You're next on the list. He's waiting for you. What are you waiting for? In a moment, we're going to sing, O little town of Bethlehem. And in the final verse, it says this, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. And if you're watching this and you want to receive the gift of Jesus today, when we get to that final verse, why don't you make that your prayer and sing it as a prayer to God and say, will you come and enter into my life? Maybe you want to take that moment just to kneel as a sign of surrender and just say, I'm coming to you, Lord. Will you come to me? And if you're watching this and you've already received the life of Jesus, you've already put your trust in him and you love him, I want to challenge you that with greater passion, energy and enthusiasm than we would share the good news that a vaccine has been created, that we would become like the shepherds this Christmas and announce to the whole world and anybody who will listen that we will become like the angels announcing to our neighbours, to our friends, to our families the good news that a saviour has come, that there is healing for the greatest sickness of all time of sin and that the vaccine is 100% efficient at curing and bringing healing. Will you be like the angels and the shepherds this Christmas and announce to the world that a saviour has been born and he is the Messiah, the Lord? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Jesus, that when we were so far away from you, you came the whole way for us. You became one of us that you would give your life for us, that we might know you and know your love and find healing and forgiveness and be restored and made whole, that we're precious to you. You know, they say that the value of something is the price that someone is willing to pay. Well, God loves you so much that he gave his own life for you and for me, for all of us. That's the, that's the value that he places on our lives, that he'd give himself. And so, Father, I pray that you'd be born to us today.
enter in. And Lord, I pray that you would make us like the angels and the shepherds who would stop at nothing to boldly and fearlessly and with great joy tell the world that you have come, the Saviour, the Messiah, the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.